0: Welcome to Beyond the Press Release for production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to sit down with small cap executives about recent important news. With us today, I'm happy to have back Ryan Brown. the CEO at North Bud Farms. The company trades on the CSC of the stock symbol NBUT and Bud. Now, for those of you new to the store, and it's got to be a lot of you because North Bud listed pretty late in the year uh, and then might have got caught in that downdraft in the, in the marijuana space. But nonetheless, you're going to want to watch and listen to Ryan because he's a seasoned executive, a pro who's had track record of success. Um, Northbud acquired a late-stage ACMPR applicant. That's GrowPros from Tetra Biopharma. A lot of you know that from Agoracom, TBP on the venture. Uh, that application is currently in the confirmation readiness stage. And in fact, Northbud amended that license application to add 500,000 square feet of outdoor cultivation area. Uh, and that's the press release that we're talking about today. What are they going to use that that space for? Uh, the facility is going to focus on GMP—that's higher production grade, farmer grade, cultivation, and food grade extracted inputs—which is timely because uh, we know that Canadian regulatory door for CIP—that's cannabinoid future products—is opening in 2019. We've already seen in Colorado, Washington, Nevada, California that that sector has become the highest margin uh, segment of the entire industry and uh, the company uh, Northbud is going to focus on being a raw input producer instead of an end product producer. Here to talk about this Ryan. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me George.
0: Hey happy new year to you and the team over at uh, Northbud and uh, looking forward to 2019.
1: Yeah same here same here you and your team as well.
0: So let's go into this. Uh, you've got a couple of things going on here. You've got the indoor facility you've got the outdoor facility let's talk about the indoor first how's that construction timeline looking like
1: um it's going uh it's just right on schedule actually Um, the construction crew that we're using has been uh, very diligent although we have had uh, some adverse weather conditions Um, they've uh, they've plowed right through Um, facilities up it's all sealed in the interior um interior construction started actually today uh, and uh, we're still on timeline to be completed sometime around the end of Q1 to 2019 uh, and that'll be for a 25,000 square foot indoor facility that will also house all of the infrastructure, um, trimming, drying um, cloning rooms for our um, outdoor production uh, as well that we're uh, hoping to bring online um, likely in early to early 2020 um, or the, the planting season for 2020.
0: Now, confirmation of readiness stage, I want to make sure I get it. You're not, you, don't have the full, you don't have the full approval yet. What does it need, mean to be at the confirmation of readiness stage?
1: Uh, it just means that the applications progress to more or less the final stage of the process. Uh, we have to finish building out the facility. Once built, we submit our evidence package to Health Canada. Uh, and then we um, you know, hopefully receive our, our cultivation license relatively quickly after that. Um, but we're really, you know, really focused on taking a more a methodical uh, approach to this. i not going to rush into anything. Uh, we'll want the facility to be 100% operational before submitting any documentation to Health Canada so that when we are issued the license, we can really hit the ground running. But basically,
0: as long as you finish the construction the way you had, you know, planned for, it shouldn't be a problem getting final approval?
1: Yeah, based on what we've seen um, up to date in the uh, in the industry, that uh, tends to be the, the, the trajectory for these uh, for these companies that are at the same stage as we are, Um, but we have also noticed a um, a bit of a gap with a lot of companies that receive a cultivation license and aren't able to actually start producing for three, four, five, sometimes six months after, Um, often because the um, package submitted to Health Canada may have showed an operational readiness, but from a a corporate perspective, uh, they were not actually ready to start operating, and so we want to make sure that we avoid that and that we're 100% ready to hit the ground uh, when we receive the license from Health Canada.
0: And that's more than just lip service. That means something coming from you and your team, because this is not your first rodeo. This is your first kick at the can. Use whatever uh, sayings you want. You guys have got great experience. So your level of confidence is pretty high that you won't have any issues meeting the requirements no we're, we're
1: quite quite confident um, in, in our ability to, to hit the ground running uh, I think one of the benefits mm-hmm. for a company like us coming into the licensing process um, at the stage that we are uh, we have access to uh, to genetics that are already existing in the in, in the gray market or in the uh, in the homegrown market that we're able to repatriate into our uh, into our facility um, so a lot of the things that some of the more premium cultivators have done um, seed germinating um, pheno selecting genetic selectin um, we've actually Actually, already started that with a lot of the uh, the partners that we're going to be working with that are going to um, basically sell us or license us their genetics uh, post uh, post licensing approval. Um, so we'll uh, that'll help us become more operational ready so that we can really hit the ground running uh, and not have to spend uh, call it post licensing time um, dialing in these genetics and really giving ourselves the uh, you know, giving ourselves the best chance to um, to be be uh, successful uh, right off the bat.
0: Well, naturally, doing things concurrently and parallel you know, is, is, is optimal, so I'm glad to hear that. Let's talk about what were the press release that you put out just for Christmas, and we didn't do this interview because you put that out on December 20th. There really wasn't much point talking on the 21st or that you know, everyone is, was in Christmas mode. You, you've announced an amendment to add 500,000 square feet. That's outdoor cultivation space. Tell us about the rationale for that.
1: Um, the, we started seriously considering it probably about six months ago. Um, while we were excavating for our indoor facility, uh, we identified that we um, had very, very fertile soil um, that, so a surprise to us, had never been used for any agricultural production other than hay going back almost 100 years. Um, the farmer that we purchased the land from, the land had been in his, con- in his family for almost 100 years uh, and was able to give us sort of the, the lineage on that. And so when Health Canada amended the cultivation regulations to allow outdoor production, um, we obviously took a, a very serious look at it. And after getting confirmation on the security requirements, um, speaking with some of the local cultivators in our, in our area, finding out um, what strains had worked for them, um, what type of, uh, of, of techniques, strategies they were using. Cause we're obviously not in the most ideal outdoor climate, but one that's still conducive to give us, um, you know, a good, uh, a good four to five, uh, even five and a half month outdoor cultivation cycle, um, which when we sat down and looked at the numbers, um, obviously outdoor production, um, significantly lower costs than indoor or even greenhouse production. Um, and with the ultimate goal of producing food grade inputs, um, we thought that this was a, a more or less a no brainer for us. Um, we've gone through, started the process of having our land approved for organic production. Um, soil samples been taken, sent to labs, et cetera. So we, we've got some time to, to really um, Build out our infrastructure. Make sure that we're um, that we're able to do this in the most efficient and productive way possible, uh, and possibly implement um, full organic production, which would be our uh, our, our goal. Uh, but obviously, um, we still need to go through a few steps in order to to obtain those certifications. Um, but that was more or less the the thought process behind it. When we sit down and look at the numbers cost per gram, yield per square foot, et cetera, nothing really touches outdoor production. Um, not something that you can just throw a bunch of seeds in the ground and, and hope and pray. Um, there's a very methodical approach, but given the timelines that we're working on, we believe that we'll, uh, we'll be ready for the 2020 planting season um, to produce um, you know, high quality, um, well, high, high yielding uh, organic outdoor crop that will be used as a, an organic food input. Um, or other our edible products or other uh, potential edible partners uh, in the space
0: and to be clear we've said a few times on this call but I want to make sure we pound this point home you're not you're not a grower and a cutter you're not you're not looking to you know grow and cut and just sell flour uh, per gram and you're actually looking you're getting into the infused products you know really specialty this large-scale GMP manufacturing let's talk about the infused Products market 2019. When will the regulations, when do the regulations, when the regulations start allowing for infused, uh, you know, infused, infused foods? Uh, and how big is this market going to be both in 2019 and beyond?
1: The expectation is that this will be online for, or the industry will be ready by October of 2019. As to market size, I think we've seen in other uh, legal jurisdictions, particularly in the US, that the edibles market does play, um, does does take up a large percentage of that market. Um, I think what's uh, going to be interesting, um, now that Health Canada has released the um, release the, the regulations around dosing sizes, packaging, et cetera, um, you're starting to see a whole infrastructure, a whole industry infrastructure being built where there's a multitude of small to mid-sized companies that are focusing on establishing um, either for edibles or for beverages the infrastructure required to infuse, to manufacture. Um, so we see this supply chain being created Uh, and want to slot ourselves into that supply chain as an ingredient supplier to that supply chain, um, for Whether it's existing uh, consumer packaged goods companies that are entering the space, whether it's existing cannabis companies that are trying to diversify into creating lines of food and beverages, uh, we believe that we'll have a, uh, an, an ingredient for them um, that will be vital to their manufacturing process and we believe that that will be a very high margin um, segment of the, uh, of the market for us to focus on. Uh, and so we're really, uh, really excited about what we see and, we, and the, the players that we're seeing entering the space um, and the infrastructure, more importantly, that we're seeing being built to, um, to provide um, all the services required for um, the consumer packaged goods industry.
0: And you're already working with, I'm going to read here, you're currently working with multiple food, beverage, and science companies to provide safe, standardized, uh, Cannaboy Refused Raw Inputs for large-scale GMP manufacturing. so how are those conversations looking right now? Are they very tertiary, just intro, or are you starting to do deeper dives uh, with, with a lot of the potential, potential customers?
1: On the science front, um, I mean, we, we released a while ago that we you know we've done a licensing deal with a company in the U.S. made by science that has an encapsulation technology and a variety of other food and beverage infusion technologies. Um, they were actually recently acquired by Acreage Holdings, which is one of the largest multi-state operators um, in the U.S. So we're really excited about that relationship moving forward, um, allowing us to cater our um, our cultivation to the um, to the infused ingredient that we will be um that we'll be focusing on so whether that's for a powdered ingredient for a cookie whether that's a liquefied emulsified um, extract for a beverage uh, we're really able to lean on some significant um, scientific know-how down in the States um, to you know to, to allow us to execute on that um, from the consumer packaged goods in the food and beverage segment I'd say we're still in um, mid-level discussions um, obviously, there was a lot of companies that expressed interest in entering to that space. Um, kind of as the regulations become clearer, um, the, the landscape becomes a little bit more, um, you know, a, a little bit more transparent. Um, some of these companies are actually opting out or are looking at implementing their own infrastructure. Um, so as their businesses, their business models develop, um, we're able to get a better feel for. Um, how our um, resources and our infrastructure will work with their infrastructure moving forward, um, hoping to to start finalizing some of these agreements over the next quarter to half of a year, um, as the uh, as, as everyone kind of uh, gears up or um, prepares themselves to to go online um, in the fall.
0: And because this is so so much of this is based on science uh, value add, you're you you do not have much fear commoditization of the space in fact margins I touched on it earlier but what do margins look like uh, for for this space as opposed to the just you know grow and cut and sell sell as much cannabis as you can per gram
1: but typically the the margins are significantly higher in the infused product segment Um, I think for us where where we see a value is being able to take for example um, say one kilo of, of, of dried cannabis and break that down into 10 milligram doses. Um, you're, when you, when you run it through your, um, when you run the numbers, uh, you're able to take something with a value of say $3,000 and sometimes turn it into two or three times more, um, more revenue for that same, uh, cost. Um, so for the cost for us, whether we take it and grow it and sell it as a, um, as a dried flour product, or we take it and turn it into an ingredient and sell it as an ingredient, um, our costs don't really change a whole lot, but the margin's significantly higher, and we believe the demand, the overall demand as well, uh, will be significantly higher, focusing on the, uh, on, on the consumer packaged goods segment as opposed to necessarily just the dried flour segment.
0: Okay, so from the company point of view, kind of summarize,
1: uh, construction
0: should be wrapped up, indoor construction should be wrapped up with the smaller facility by end of Q1, It looks like uh, you've applied for the 500,000 square feet, and by October or so, the whole cannabis-infused products market should start coming online. You're talking to potential customers. You've got some great science behind you. So we're going to have a lot to look forward to as far as the company goes in 2019. Let's touch quickly, if you don't mind, because you do have great experience in space. You're a pioneer in it. Uh, How would you explain – I want to talk about the market in general – and, and whether that puts fear into people. How, how do you explain the recent market activity uh, in the cannabis market? Because after October 17th, things just seem like they're falling apart, especially for rookie investors who might get really worried about these kind of things. How, how did you size all the activity up?
1: Um, I, I think we've moved on to the, or the, the industry's moved on to the show me face where, Talking about it, um, coming up with, I mean, you know, we've, we've all seen the press releases, we've all seen the, the claims uh, being made by a lot of companies, um, and now everyone's gonna have to prove it. So, one of the reasons why Northbud has stayed relatively small, while we've stayed focused on a few key segments of the market. Um, gives us a greater chance of being successful in the execution phase, which is where we're heading. Where we're heading to now. Um, nobody really knew exactly what the market demand was going to be. Nobody knew what the logistics and infrastructure issues were going to be. Obviously, we're seeing that now. Where, um, for example, I live in Quebec, and the you know of the eight stores that exist in the province, most of them have no product. Um, similar product. <laughs> similar, Part similar, of similar, the similar similar problems in Ontario. Um, honestly, it really looks like Alberta was the only one that really um, was able to uh, to implement a, a functional uh, process. And even they had to stop issuing licenses, issuing retail licenses uh, until the supply caught up. So this was something that didn't catch us off guard. Um, we kind of knew that, uh, that this was going to, this learning curve was going to uh, was going to transpire and exist. You've seen it in almost every U.S. jurisdiction um, as they've uh, transitioned from medical to recreational or um, added new product segments. Uh, and we actually believe you're going to see something very similar happen um, around the legalization of edibles. Uh, come and I was going to ask you that. I was going to say devil's advocate is the same thing going to happen to edibles
0: because demand there is going to be massive, right? And uh, you, guys go, you guys are going to be able to keep up with supply.
1: Well, and I think one of the one of the big curveballs that got uh, that that was thrown to everybody is the not being able to manufacture cannabis-infused uh, food in a existing food facility. I would say eighty percent of the companies we spoke to had kind of earmarked um, square footage in their existing food manufacturing facilities that they were going to apply for a processing license and you know, commence edibles manufacturing, um, where all of a sudden now they're gonna have to set up an entirely new infrastructure, uh, which requires them to bring on more staff, which kind of requires them to, you know, diversify a little bit from their existing core business. And every step away from these companies' core business, it increases the risk, it increases um, their, you know, their their fear um, of detracting their resources away from their existing profitable businesses. And I think this is gonna provide a huge opportunity for companies that are focusing on being the infrastructure, being the white label manufacturer, um, focusing on food grade, uh, on food grade cannabinoid inputs, uh, and so we're again, we're we're more than happy to. Um, you know be participating on the ingredient end of that space but really allowing all of these kinks to be worked out um, before having to worry about getting a, a finished product to market um, I think that um, small companies that are smaller companies that are um, getting caught up in this in this uh, in this learning curve right now it can be you know extremely detrimental to them uh, and so for us we're, we're more than happy to focus on what we know we're good at um, keep an eye on where the market is developing and continue to build those relationships. Um, as we see uh, opportunities where we can add value. It almost
0: sounds as if you don't
1: have much of the risk, but have the potential of so much of the upside.
0: So that's a great risk reward scenario for you and your shareholders to be in as far as the company operations go.
1: And, and, and you've seen it right now in the dried flower market. I mean, there's, there's licensed producers right now that are willing to buy product at a loss to fulfill product SKUs that they're not able to fulfill in house. So whether that is a company that's agreed to supply a a higher end, a higher price point product to one of the provincial uh, regulators only to find out that the market demand in that price point for the product that they're creating in their, 25, or in their 250 or 300,000 square foot greenhouse um, just isn't up to the standards of the consuming public which ultimately are going to be the ones that are gonna dictate who the winners and losers are gonna be. Um, and so we see that as you know a potential value add as well where you can be a small to mid-sized company focusing on these gaps um, in the market and create a really, really successful, profitable business um, without having to overextend yourself uh, in the way a lot of these companies have, where I don't think um, they even know what their core value um, is anymore, and their unique value propositions have kind of gone out the window because they're just scrambling to be involved in everything, not knowing what segment of the market is going to be is going to hit and make them successful. Um, which for a company our size would be uh, would be highly problematic to take that yeah. approach.
0: Yeah. Well, last word to you. I, we both discussed, and I gave kind of a summary of you know, the hard events that look like going to be taking place throughout the year. But talk to me about let's end it off with this talk about what you see for the company in 2019 what, and 20, if you want to look that far forward. What gets you excited? Why you think you have, you know, based on your experience, you're not just some dreamers in the space and hoping to hit a bullseye on a target? You've actually been very successful already. What, you know, what really excites you about North Buds? business side of things over the next 12, 18 months?
1: I think getting our, uh, I like to call it our campus, getting our campus online for us is the number one priority. I think that once we can, once we can make that claim to have this operational production space online, um, when whether it's investors, whether it's potential partners, sit down and look at the amount of money we've spent for the potential um, yield in, in, in not just in, in gram but also from a revenue perspective, uh, it's gonna make us a very attractive partner for uh, for a lot of companies, as well as hopefully an attractive investment vehicle for investors that are looking to, to hedge some bets on some of the smaller companies that potentially have significant upside. Um, so for us, we're, uh, we're just excited to be able to um, uh, to realize all of the, the, the plans that were made in 2018 and 2019 is really a, an operational year for us and we're excited to 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 get everything online and, and start operating. Ryan thanks so much for joining us today great way to start off the new
0: year it's effectively the first you know first full week of uh, all everybody coming back to work and you coming on today uh, to give everyone a, a great summary at uh, answer these questions, even some of my tough ones, is, is really appreciated. Looking forward to having you back on as you hit some great milestones in 2019. But thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, George. Look forward to the next one.
0: You've been watching Ryan Brown, the CEO at North Bud Farms. The company trades on the CSE under the stock symbol Nbud, Northbud, North Bud, N N B U D. For more information about the company, you can always Google them, North Bud Farms, or get to a punch in their name and stock symbol. Take a look at their profile information, a previous interview we've already done with Ryan, and all sorts of other great information you need about the company. Then take advantage of the CO Modern Discussion Forum. Post any questions you may have. Ryan and his team will answer them because they're open and accessible because they're confident about where their company is going to be in the future. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Remember, do your due diligence on Northbud Farms. Have a great day.